Welcome to the Theory of Pro Wrestling, where we explore modern pro wrestling through the lens of storytelling and narrative devices. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blenderhead. You can find me on Twitter there. And I'm joined by the guy that the past week, you've done, you've done multiple stage shows with Eric Bischoff, Matt Hardy, and friends. John Alba, <laughs> let like... me ask you, <laughs> since, since I come from a background of, you know, I'm used to performing live mm -hmm. in front of people. The difference between broadcasting and podcasting when you're producing segments, you're, you know, brought, you know, you're recording shows, asking questions, moderating, you know, your guest or a co-host. What's the difference between that and having the instant feedback from the audience? Is, is there a difference in so, sort of similar to stand-up comedy, seeing what the crowd wants and then pivoting a, a bit. and going from there? A little bit. I have the one built-in advantage that I played in bands for years, so you're always used to being out in front of a crowd and seeing how crowds react to you and you go with the flow, change up your set, however you do it. I think with this and doing the whole live shows and panels, you do have to kind of get a vibe for how an audience, if they're, you can tell if they're engaged, if they're nodding along, if they're looking down at their phone. It was like oppressively hot in the venue on Sunday, so that is never going to help you when you're up there on stage because people are dying out there in the stands. But uh, it's it's a little more concise. You have to be a little tighter, especially when you're trying to stick to a time limit. Whereas if you're on a podcast, you probably have fewer parameters that are restricting you. But on, on stage, that is something that plays into it because you're trying to further a conversation and provide something that is worth value to the audience while also keeping yourself on track and making sure that you're going to hit your time mark. Uh, I think the hitting times comes from TV, my TV background too. I, I was always pretty good at hitting times, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a great thrill, man. It's a great thrill. I'm just sure like how you are with stand-up comedy. It really gets the adrenaline going when you get that audience giving you some sort of instant feedback, whether it's good or bad. Well, it's like you working without a net when you podcast, it's like, what's the worst case scenario you could edit it out. Right. Phone ring, something like that. Live crowd can't do that. Nope. The question is, what happens when they shout, we want tables? Do you give it to them? Um, I've still yet to be put through a table in my career, so I'm going to hold on hope that that never happens. I really have no desire to go through a table. Both of my co-hosts, Eric Bischoff and Matt Hardy, have gone through tables in their career. So I hope not to follow their shoes. I have not been hijacked by a live crowd on a panel just yet, Jordan. But I also think working indies has helped me too, because that's instant gratification or feedback from a crowd and knowing how to go with it. I, I worked on Saturday at a Monster Factory show. I managed three matches throughout the course of the show, and we did a one story, a show long story that we really needed to get the crowd into. And it was really fun egging them and feeding into them and making sure that we forced home that story. But you know, the one place where you constantly get hijacked sometimes to my detriment wrestling, according to sometimes, sometimes on your ask Alba streams, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the, the crowd, the crowd there is a little bit more, a little bit more feisty. They tell you what they want and you got to give it to them. Wrestling according to Alba.com. That's where you can find people like Jordan and a great cast and characters. And we talk pro wrestling. It's smart, educational, intelligent pro wrestling talk where you will not be judged for your opinions unless you say something really stupid. No, you will be judged. Just no one will say anything. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be kind about it. But yes, yeah. uh, great, great spot. Discord, Patreon, lots of fun. Right. And in addition to the wrestling, you learn how to cook a steak well. You do. We've had a lot of food discussion. We've had a lot. Of, I'm, as we tape this today, I'm going to smoke some Wagyu burgers today. And we're going to see how those come out. Very uh, well, I'll, I'll ask you more about cook, cooking burgers. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to be a foodie by the, by the end. I hope so. That's my goal here. We live to enlighten. And at the end of the day, I'm probably gonna taste. Oh, this is the good thing, and this is the bad. This is the not so good thing, and I'm gonna be like, ah, it tastes the same to me. I mean, that very well may be the case. You may think it's good, but because we're in a society where you have to find a fault in something, you'll tweet out the fault that you find in it. That's very much something like, like this past week on Twitter. When I, I put together what I felt was a very fair thread about whether or not WWE is hotter than ever right now. And I was very fair to it, I felt like. 
and it was, oh, you're you're sucking up to Tony Khan, and then it was, oh, you're sucking up to Paul Levesque. I was like, well, what do I say? What what side am I on here? Tell me, please tell me what side am I on. Well, you just you're just putting out an a not even an opinion of like how are we judging this by? It was an assessment, right? Crazy. Well, that's 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 X for you. <laughs> that is that is X. Whatever it's called this week, I don't know. But uh, this this week, I wanted to get into a almost. It seems like it seems like a question that that is stupid. It seems like a question that people would take for granted or look past. Why do matches exist in pro wrestling? A lot of people look at it and go, well, it's pro wrestling. It's pro wrestling matches. But is that the true reason why matches exist? Because this choreographed sport? And what was the historic nature of how pro wrestling became the entertainment medium that it's at? Because if you ask someone back in 1910 why do pro wrestling matches exist well there wouldn't be anything else there were like if like well if the matches didn't exist why why are we all here because the matches were the matches i mean it was a carnival act between mm-hmm. strong men so it's like here's this one big guy here's this other big guy who wins who wins let w- watch him fight and obviously underground wise there probably was betting going on <laughs> right between people. And then it got to the point where this carnival act, they were, they were fighting every day and it's the same strongman. They would have, you know, eight different, you know, people. And it's like, okay, you face him and you face him. And they were, they would really have a wrestling match. The problem is, is that some of the matches were either too short, too long, boring. Right. And then also people get injured. It's like, they're really trying to win like every day. So how do we keep this carnival act going? Other than, hey, uh, I'm just going to let you win today. So I don't have to, you know, put much stress on my body, right? And then also you have, you know, the underground people fixing the matches, right? Because it's like if you're betting, side betting on it, it's like... Do you think they called it cinema? I don't think they... I do not think they called it (laughs) cinema. (laughs) But what I'm describing is it was was viewed as a real competition. Mm -hmm. They thought that... People would go if they thought it was real, right? Even when they were rigging matches and and uh, and having the fake open challenges, right? The strong guys in the middle of the ring is like, I could beat up anyone here. I could wrestle anyone. And of course, some other guy raises his hand, goes, I could beat you. And of course, that guy's a plant, right? And they they have you know some type of choreographed match that. There were no storylines. There were no, like, if you put that on TV at that time, if TV existed, if you put it on the radio, like, it would just be this guy versus that guy. So, obviously, why do the matches exist? Well, because it's a real competition. In the modern context, I mean, we have some people, John, that think that the matches aren't even important. No, like I mean, that- I've talked to so many wrestling fans, Jordan, that are like, I don't care about the matches. I care about the story. So why do so why in the modern context, why do matches exist? I think the why to why do matches exist is because the matches themselves are the why. The why is the catalyst for everything in storytelling. Forget about just pro wrestling. The why is the reason that the wheel tur- turns. The why is the reason that we care. So the matches are used to propel forward action between characters not physical action between the ropes which obviously happens but the story action the progression of character the matches are the vehicle for that and the matches can also serve as the finality to that story and they can also serve as the beginning the propeller for it all so the matches themselves are in fact the why for every character that we see on a pro wrestling program but why can't the stories exist outside of the matches why can't it be that this guy doesn't like that guy and they have backstage segments and i'm, I'm gonna be out of the family and i'm gonna you know like you would look at it and go oh this looks like us like a soap soap opera right and the climaxes or, or whatever part of the plot structure you know the the resolution or rising action would be does it have to be a match 
Like I, I know I'm. It seems like I'm asking stupid questions, but, but if if the competition isn't real, right? If we look at MMA, for instance, why do the matches exist? The matches exist because there are there are fighters at a certain weight class that are looking to looking for glory, looking for you know I want to be the best in the world at this thing, and obviously the more matches that I win. There's a purse. I make more money. So it's like, okay, if I join the, the UFC, if I get called up, I, I'm, I'm looking to win a match. I can't win the title. I can't win a million-dollar payday. But it's like, well, if I beat this guy, then they're going to give me an even better guy. If and any- then they're going to give me an even better guy. Maybe I'll be ranked and mm-hmm. then move up, and then eventually – I'm headlining a pay-per-view and getting paid a lot of money. If Eddie Guerrero had such a problem with Rey Mysterio over Dominic's custody, why didn't he just take him to court instead of having a ladder match? Right. Why? Why He should have. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I get it. I think what ties into that is that this is the arena where being a professional wrestler is their life. It is their profession. It is what they do. So, in the context, is that, that, that I don't want to interrupt. I, I mean, I am going to interrupt you, but whatever. Is my my point the point that I'm trying to put put out is that in kayfabe, mm-hmm. like in from a storytelling perspective, you're right. The matches are a vehicle to progress stories, to progress character development, to you know launch people's careers, and you know who's better than who type of thing. But in kayfabe, it seems like more so now than ever before. Like it, it progressively goes towards the direction of what are the characters wrestling for in any other aspect? When you see it's going to be this guy versus that guy on raw. Well, why does, why does Bronson Reed want to beat Shinsuke Nakamura in this match? It's not a title match. There's, there's no animosity. Like what, what is the core point of why the, why the wrestling federation is even putting on matches? And we see much more often in the modern context than in the past context that like the audience doesn't not like that. There's no such thing as, uh, well, when this guy wins, he, he make he get he gets the winner's purse. He gets, he makes $20,000. I've always felt that that should be something that's more emphasized in the wrestling realm. I feel like financial incentive is something that companies don't take nearly as much of an advantage of. And that was actually one of the big appeals of the Money in the Bank briefcase, if you remember, too, when it first came out. It wasn't just like you get this contract, but it was like insinuated that, hey, when you win the Money in the Bank briefcase, you're setting yourself up for millions of dollars by winning the WWE championship and you're going to be the top guy. That was like a big. That's why it's called Money in the Bank. It was a big part of that presentation. Uh, the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian, the Terry Invitational Tournament, the tit. You got a hundred thousand dollar reward if you won. I'm surprised that that has become less of a storytelling device in wrestling because it does tie back into what you're talking about here, where the idea of, hey, you win matches, you progress up the card, you make more money, you become the top of your line of profession. That seems like that would be something naturally that you would want to get across to your fans as motivation for characters. Because even if you don't have your typical storyline where someone hates someone, that's an easy story for everyone to follow and understand because it aligns and parallels what a lot of us want in our own individual lives. Right, and there needs to be motivation in every match. I mean, not every match is a blood feud. Not every no. match. We have to have a reason to want to win. Right, it makes you want to win, and it and it and it feels like when AEW started, they instituted like a rankings system, right? Of like, oh, although it's not, there's no quote financial incentive. Oh, you win more money the one more matches you win. It gives the audience at least a viewpoint of, oh. This person isn't in the top five and they want to get up to the top five so they can get a title. But isn't it funny how AEW pretty much abandoned that once they realized that that got in the way of them telling conventional pro wrestling stories? But is but my my viewpoint is I think it's actually a benefit and not I, I think it's a positive, not a negative. It's just that you need to actually. That's what I'm saying. Oh, realize I, that as 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 a story. And, and they found that it was getting in the way of the way they know how to tell traditionally tell professional wrestling stories. I would have loved for some more innovation in bringing this very realistic element of sport into wrestling. It's like having standings almost. I love that AEW shows the records, but the records mean nothing. 
They mean nothing. They did at one point, but they mean nothing. I wouldn't hate Jordan if we had seasons in pro wrestling where you had standings and you utilize standings to determine. Hey, well, this it used to be an AEW that the rankings reset every year, every year, January. Mm-hmm. and then there would be a story of, well, this guy's got a got a benefit from his ranking, or it's going to get reset or something. You had the whole thing about. Well, did Adam Cole really lose that match? Because mm-hmm. it was a lights out match and didn't count towards the rankings. Mm-hmm. So they were able to, oh, why is he the number one contender? Well, when he lost Aaron Cassidy, that's that didn't count. That didn't count like that. But traditionally, people looked at that and go, well, he lost Orange Cassidy. He shouldn't be the number one contender. But according to the canon of this universe, like it's all based on these rankings and records. And yeah, that. That's an unsanctioned match. That that doesn't count. Or fixtures. I know Michael Sidgwick from the What Culture podcast always says over and over again that he would like the sense that there are fixtures because that's how any other sport or promotion would run that. Why is this match happening? Well, because it was scheduled to happen. Like this, this is the schedule. Why are the Reds playing the Braves today? Because that was that was the schedule. And will something come out of that? I think there are there are more ways to adhere to logic where you don't have to use contrivances mm-hmm. when you add st- like we, we talk about it all the time, John stakes mm-hmm. uh, stakes again stakes and the why I feel like are the core foundation of any form of storytelling, not just wrestling. I think in order to have a successful story, especially in movies and TV series, you have to have stakes. Because if there are stakes, why do we care? But that begs the question, do wins and losses matter in a world where stakes are removed? In a world where where the net the person that gets the next title shot, I mean, like dude, my biggest my biggest storytelling bugbear of professional wrestling is that by adding by adding the, the structure around it, by by improving the structure, I think it gives you more avenues to storytell while the traditionalists will think otherwise. I I like when one A goes, you know, there's a match scheduled between A and B and it's for the number one contendership to the whatever. It's the top two guys ranked and whoever wins this match gets a shot at the title. Okay, there's stakes. And it's two people that you think could win. So it's, you're going in as an audience member going, I don't know. And then, then you do the thing of like another guy comes out and costs one guy the match. And then what does that lead to? Yeah. And that leads to this, the, the, the guy that lost, I, I, t- I take a look like to me, the classic example is this in, in AEW is this. Why, why isn't Sean Dean, uh, saying that he wants a title shot since he's the he's he's undefeated against MJF because obviously one of them was a DQ right during the CM Punk feud. It's like there it we've got we've got it. We've got the background info. Just all you have to do is use it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I hate more than anything when someone picks up a win on TV and they're like, this might put them in the United States championship picture. And I'm like well, why not? Like, let let's have let's let's. Why isn't this match to determine the number one contender? Or why don't we utilize the idea that we have a number one contenders match stipulation that can help elevate someone into that spot? You're right in saying that the structures do exist and they're often ignored. And sometimes I do think it's okay to introduce new structures. I'll give you an example right now in the Monster Factory for any title match or tag team match there's a second referee on the outside to make sure that there's no extra tomfoolery. Well, guess what? For a manager like myself, that makes it really freaking hard because the manager is essentially, as we've discussed in the past, they are used as a device to create more adversity for the babyface. They are there to cheat. They are there to create distractions. If a second referee is enforcing rules, but there's still a manager on the outside, what do I do other than look pretty and cheer on my my wrestler? So you then, in turn, are forced to come up with different ways to tell your stories and to get characters 
perceived by the audience in a favorable or unfavorable way. And uh, while it can be annoying at first, I'm grateful that we're utilizing structure and stipulation to try and think outside the box on conventional storytelling. Well, it seems like the the more modern way, the non-structured way is is using like momentum and mobility. Like the type of thing where, oh, you see this person win a match. Then the following week, they win another match. Then they win, then your perception of them goes up. It's the matches are used. So they're telling the storyteller is telling you that this person is important. This person is is gaining steam, is getting better. And the whole goal of this is at the end of the day, John, if I told you in AEW that there's going to be a match between Adam Cole and Sean Spears, tell me who wins that match. Who are you expecting to win that match? Adam Cole. But what? what's the reason for that? Because of their track record. Right. And that track record is built over a long period mm-hmm. of time. So, of course, I always make fun of the Butcher and the Blade as like, great tag team, always loses matches. But when you see, oh, it's FTR versus Butcher and the Blade. It's like, okay, FTR wins. Like, the whole purpose of matches, truthfully... Outside of storytelling, as well as business and booking, is to delineate who the audience thinks is better than others. And it's obviously much more compelling when you pit two people that the audience perceives as fairly equal to one another. And a lot of times they save those matches for pay-per-views, right? But the problem comes in is that how compelling is the weekly TV show when they need to put in the talent that people want to see in matches that in the construct of the wrestling federation don't make sense of, well, this guy's been winning five matches or whatever. And it's like, obviously they're building them up to be the next title challenger at the pay-per-view. But then the title holder is having a title match against someone that you view is like 74th down on the totem pole. Mm -hmm. And you go, well, why do why should I buy into this momentum or upward mobility if if you're if your US title holder is facing the, the jobber you haven't seen one on TV? You know, the guy the not even well, an enhancement talent, just the guy that you like you, you haven't seen one win in like that's on the booker to try to avoid falling into that trap. And I think every major company has been guilty of doing something like that. It it requires more investment into your undercard specifically and i know we've had that conversation too before where it's like this person is too afraid to have this person lose every now and then but if you did have that happen every now and then well then people start to carry more equity people start to carry a little more momentum into their matches and i think that helps balance your product out overall and provide more well what's going to happen to every match that you have One thing I do want to say, too, there's another way to make those matches matter and give someone momentum without having a stipulation, per se. And that is by fully understanding a character's intentions. If a character is going for a mid-card title, but they have a ladder to climb, give us a promo, a 30-second promo backstage where he says, you know what, I'm targeting that United States Championship, and I'm going to win as many matches as I need to in order to prove that I belong in contention for it. So then even every singles match you see after that, Jordan, you don't need to have, oh, this is a number one contenders match. But if LA Knight is going for that US title and he says, I want that title, I'll, I'll fight anyone I need to fight in order to get there. Well, then when he faces Karrion Cross and he beats him, that means something because he's getting closer. Then when he faces Shinsuke Nakamura and he beats him, he's getting closer. I think that's just as helpful in elevating characters in, as any other sort of match stipulation. But do you think the, the 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 promotions, I mean, every promotion lacks in this. Do you think that's where the the perception of a lot of the audience, maybe not me and you, 
but a perception of a lot of audience where the matches don't matter, where they 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 go to SmackDown and they go, doesn't matter about the matches, who wins or loses. I just want to see the character progression. I just want to see the storyline progression and whether or not this guy pinned this guy or this guy interfered with that guy. Would, like it, None of that matters because they've been conditioned so much that like wins and losses really don't convey anything. They don't and convey- then you also have the other side where <clears throat> a lot of the traditionalists, old school people coming from the live event era, where it's like the top guy never lost, right? It was always like well, if he lost it via squash DQ matches or it's via DQ, yeah. right? But I'm saying you'd see so many squash matches, they would not give you an even matchup until like a big event, a pay per view mm-hmm. that people's minds are well, if this guy, if 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 one of the top card people loses, like that's a humongous down that like your downward momentum feels so you're buried. And then if a small guy wins, it's like, that was the, you need to get, you You hear that, you see this on Twitter. We talked about it before, where where some decently pushed guy that, you know, it's rising momentum, gets a pinfall. It's a, it's a tag match, you know, just a random tag match, which doesn't make sense if there's no tag team. Like, why, why are these two tag teams even, fi- like two people that normally aren't together? And it's like, oh, because you're feuding with that feud. And like, what's the purpose of the tag match? Do you win money? If you win, is this does this help your rankings? Does this that one thing? But you have the old school people that is like, well, if a small guy wins, like they need the big win. You'll hear people say, dude, this guy, this guy needs a needs a big win. And then this guy can't take a loss. And then you have the people that are more accustomed to modern, the modern promotions, not saying that they're doing it well, where it's like, dude, if this guy wins this week, they'll they'll He'll lose next week, and then he'll, it's 50-50 back and forth, and then it just becomes, why Maybe am I investing people are in the just match? numb to it, Jordan. I think people are really becoming numb to it today. Look no further, because I know you were in a similar camp as me with this Cody at WrestleMania, right? We felt pretty convincingly it was the time to do it for Cody. He didn't, and I was genuinely very worried that that loss was going to impact his stock. Not due to his talents, but due to how people would view him. And I think I have to admit that I'm wrong because I watch that guy every single week. And every single week, he gets even bigger and bigger receptions. The crowd is even more endeared to him. And I don't think, because then you're going to have the the people who are like, you need the heat, bro. Uh, yeah, the losses, he needs the adversity. He needs to overcome that. I don't think it's because he's rising above adversity. I think it's just because this guy is naturally connecting with an audience. And his charisma, his presence, is something that the audience identifies with. And maybe that goes to show that the wins and losses in today's age aren't quite as meaningful as I once thought they were. Should they be? I think they should be. Because at the end of the day, Jordan, pro wrestling is under the guise of an athletic competition. We all recognize that it's not real, but it, the idea of two people grappling one another is under the guise of a legitimate athletic competition. So I think that we have just come to an age where maybe the wins and losses truly don't matter and the matches are serving as a showcase for these particular talent and as vehicles to progress stories rather than being the be all end all in why people are watching. I know that but I think that depends on character though. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 I have the thesis that the less over you are, the more important wins and losses are. And the more over you are, the less important. And some people think that some people act as if it's the opposite, but I mean, it's, it, would Cody be less over if he had a match and and lost against Damian Priest or just on a random raw? I don't think so. Okay. The question is then why doesn't that happen? Because the storyteller believes that if the storyteller this is the paradox. If the storyteller believes that a loss for a character will downgrade them so much in the audience's eyes, even though the audience 
is not going to act like that. Isn't that a deficiency in the storytelling? Yes. But I think in the traditional sense, you would look at that and you'd say, yes, that would devalue him. But I think because of where we are now, it doesn't. Um, But you still have people with the pen who view it somewhat through that old school lens. And that's why you don't see it happen. But then you also simultaneously get the people with the pen that will beat someone time after time because they believe that the other elements of their character, i.e. Bray Wyatt, are what people connect with more than actually seeing them wrestle. But sometimes that that sometimes it becomes it actually reverses itself. Absolutely, hundred percent. It becomes I mean, a self perpetuating notion of like like. Well, this guy, this guy's over. The crowd is behind him, babyface, right? And then once they're beaten down and they lose too often, then the crowd goes, People "Oh, the story, the storyteller has signaled to us mm-hmm. that this is not an important character." I think that's exactly what happened to Bray Wyatt. I don't know how you feel about that, but I feel like Bray Wyatt never won an important match. And I'm not sitting here saying that a guy like Bray Wyatt has to win every match he's in, because I certainly don't think that's the case. But I think at some point when you do tell your audience that it doesn't really matter if this guy ever wins, that I think they stop caring about them. I think that's the same thing for... I, truthfully, I think that's the same thing for the other way around. Mm-hmm. I think once once a guy wins too much... John Cena. Right. It becomes... Why do we care? Right. Why do we? Right. Exactly. Why? Why do we care anymore? Also, and a lot of times you get the backlash of, I think if a character wins too much, it breaks apart the the narrative structure of the story that we're seeing the pen more than the story, mm-hmm. and I think the audi- the audience hates that. I think I think the audience in modern days understands the booking way more than the bookers think they do and this is why i i i asked the question of like wins as momentum yeah i'll I'll use we'll go through some tropes some booking tropes that i believe that most of the audiences see through when it comes to matches one is the the momentum win so you'll see often this happens this happens in actually in AEW more than it does WWE. AEW only because they have such a much larger roster that someone, some mid card person, someone that you see as like, okay, he, I, I view them as a credible person, but we haven't seen them in like three months. So basically, you've told us that this person is not important, and then they come back and they have a match against someone on the lo- lower card. Lance Archer is back in action, right? And then it's like, oh, well, he's going to get a, a win on, on Dynamite. And then he's in a, a a match on Rampage. And then wouldn't you know it, <laughs> he's up for the mid-card title yep. the following week on Dynamite and loses. And the reason why he was presented, even though no storyline, no nothing, just he's back, he's in action, and he's beating fools, Right. It's just to build up his credibility short term. Look at Miro. Look at Miro right now. Right. But not short term so that he could get past that point, but short term just to provide some amount of credibility to the title holders next match. So we don't view them as an enhancement talent. I, dude, I think we see through this. Like, the, is, are you, why not just make it Orange Cassidy versus Lance Archer? And don't even bother with the first two matches because I, I don't know. Our, our audience is stupid enough to not buy that. This well, doesn't, I think every now and then, in. every now and then they'll throw a curveball at you where that person does succeed, and this is their push, right? Where they actually look no further than Jinder Mahal, mm-hmm. where Jinder Mahal went from doing diddly poo, as Jim Mora would say to becoming WWE champion in a matter of three. Yeah, but doing it that drastically, the audience obviously rejected that. And and I'm not suggesting that it's a good thing that they did it that way. I'm saying every now and then, it does happen where they push through that barrier. More often than not, they don't. 
And unfortunately, what happens then is you start seeing an investment in some talent and they'll start to get over with the crowd. They'll start to get behind their pursuit. But because it wasn't the long term plan to elevate them, they fall back into obscurity. Look, Damian Sandow, somebody that uh, Zach Ryder, somebody, an example like that. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I agree with you in regards to your example with Lance Archer specifically, because Lance Archer is AEW's go to for stuff like that. Nyla Rose and the women. Nyla division. Rose in the women's division, certainly. But there would be, but it would be so much different if the person like that is presented as much more important than they are mm-hmm. previous to that. And it's not just, oh, we need a, we need a way to showcase this, 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 our better, our bigger person. And we don't want to just have it be against local talent because the audience, it's, it's one of those things that you go back to the eighties and nineties, right? When I started watching wrestling and watching WWF superstars on Saturday, I didn't think Jim Powers stood a chance against the ultimate warriors. Right. <laughs> like, but back in the day, people may have thought may like, Oh, it's this guy versus that. I haven't heard of the other guy, but let's see this match. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why like raw nitro, those programs came about and said, Hey, we need to develop a bigger roster. So yep. the, the enhancement talents are just lower carters that occasionally do get wins. Yeah. Action Andretti. They do have gimmicks. They do have certain amount of fans just so they provide credibility to the, to the, to the upper card people. So people don't just walk in and go, look at these eight matches. It's someone I know against someone I don't know. I think we've gotten past to the point where I, we could see through the low, like to me, the lower carters, you might as well, they might as well be Jim Powers, right? They don't, yes, they have an entrance, right? They have t-shirts for sale. But essentially, you're buying you're buying an enhancement talents merchandise. I think the way that Japan, like New Japan, does it, is so much more effective. Like we're going through the G1 right now. I think tournaments are an excellent way. Amazing. It's a structured way where you don't have to rely on rankings or anything like that. We're having this tournament. There's 16 people in it. Of course, you plan it out in the way where you get the matchups that you want. You use the matchups as, well, this guy loses because this the, this guy interferes and that offshoots a feud there. And then just like in any other tournament in sports history, like, dude, you could be the regular season champion and lose in the first round. 100%. And, and you don't look down. Upon, it's like, oh, it was an upset. Dude, I think... And I've said this on record many times. I think there should like always be a tournament going on in pro wrestling in every promotion, because especially if you have a deep roster, a you're giving them something to fight for. B it allows you to tell your story with the main title that you're trying to tell, and then have something ready for once that story is done. So you've done a tournament to crown a number one contender while the United States Championship feud is actually happening, and you've done that tournament simultaneously with it, so that once that feud is done, we've got a number one contender. And then guess what? You go and reset and do something else, do another tournament, or do that tournament elsewhere. It's a way to constantly keep people involved, add stakes to matches, and you can elevate talent's equity by having them win matches that have meaning to them. But do you think the reason why many promotions don't do that is because they don't play far, plan far enough in advance? They don't plan far enough in advance. That's one of the reasons for it, I think. I think that some feel that your mid-card should just be full of ancillary stories and not necessarily fighting with a focus, but fighting over the maximum male models and ownership of the group and stuff like that. And there is a time and place for that. But I think especially in a situation like raw or dynamite, when you have three hours of programming and two hours of programming, there's no shortage of opportunities to do stuff like that. And I do apologize because it just started hurricaning outside. So if we have any technical issues, guys, (laughs) it's because blame New Jersey. Right. 
We'll we'll have a distraction finish. We we might have to have a the, quick finish with the tournaments. Like the to me the most the most intriguing part of things when it comes to adding more structure to making matches matter more is that you're you're building in the problem. The problem I have with with protection based finishes, you know, the distraction roll up, the the interfere. Oh, the guy that is interfered with. You know, people don't view those as wins and losses. And like, I don't, well, this guy beat that guy because his rival showed up and interfered. So now the guy that you didn't think was going to win won. Yeah, but not really. Like I view the tournaments. Like if you add stakes to a match, I think you are adding, you are giving the winner something that even though he won not on his own accord, they're still moving. There, there were stakes to that. Dude, this translates beyond pro wrestling. Look at the NBA right now, what they're doing. They're adding an in-season tournament to add stakes to games because they recognize that if we give people incentive to play for rather than just their standard contractual money, but if we provide additional incentive Fans are going to care and the players are going to care more. So this is not a novel concept of having stakes, but pro wrestling has just become so mediated in the last couple of decades where you really have seen the need for stakes go out the windows. And I'll tell you, I think the one promotion that really helped in starting to bring back the importance of stakes in modern wrestling uh, was Paul Levesque's NXT. I think NXT did a really good job with having stakes and adding meaning to, especially in the mid card uh, of having a, why these people are competing. What are they fighting over? We saw the dusty classic added for the tag teams to fight for. We saw new championships added something to fight for and, and they were fighting for it. And I think, the success of the black and gold NXT certainly gave credence to AEW to go ahead and try and ride that momentum of having stakes for certain things. You remember they had the, they abandoned this pretty much, but didn't they have a tournament for the women's tag teams? Like right at the beginning of the dynamite era. But I would, I mean, WWE, you know, I'm talking about AEW. I'm saying an AEW, didn't they have, there was a there was a woman's tag tournament that Brandy Rhodes and well once you add once you add Brandy Rhodes then I, I kind of <laughs> I, I erase it from my memory I don't remember I remember yes there was it was uh, let me find the name of it here real quick but even they recognize that that there was an opportunity to have something with stakes it was the the deadly draw tag team cup tournament. The fact that you don't remember this is is pretty telling in and of itself. From July 2020 until August 2020, they had the AW Women's Tag Team Cup tournament that the winners were Diamante and Ivelisse defeating Ali and Brandy Rhodes. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, good thing that it's not in my memory anymore. But the thing we about the, right there, the thing about adding structure, like I look to the the script writing type of element of how storylines go. So you have in a sitcom, when you write a sitcom, there's typically an A story, a B story and a C story. Mm-hmm. Right. And the more clever sitcoms, the C, the B and C story will affect the A story in some way into each other. Yep. Right. They will lead into each other. Professional wrestling doesn't do enough of that. Not where for instance, like the reason why this, like I, the, to me, I, I like the serendipitous nature of storytelling. I like it when, for I'm going to use a, a, a fictional example of, okay, these these two are fight these two people are fighting for the number one contendership of whatever title, and then one of the one of the wrestlers' adversaries comes in and costs him the match, which propels the other guy into the title match. And then in the title match that we get the big return of the other guy's rival. And, and it turns out that the only reason why this guy has the title is because of being interfered. All the, 
that's really what propelled him up the ladder. You now have an excuse, quote unquote, for why the other two people lost. So they feel protected. You've launched this other guy. And now because he's at the title, we go back. We remember from two years ago where in the past, whatever he had a feud over, dude, I, I will give you X if you ever win a title in this promotion. And it's like, oh, now, now there's a problem because they did, they had an agreement beforehand that if I got the title, then he would be the first title shot. But now they're friends. And that caught, and the serendipitous nature of just when you have a fuck finish, right? The screw finish, it seems like 95% of screw finishes don't lead to anything no. for the, per the person that actually won the match. Right. It's all like, oh, this guy lost because of, of cheating. And it's like, R-Truth okay, well, John Cena because the Miz interfered. Right. But I'm saying, but what, it, what does it do what, for R-Truth? What is now the effect of, mm. now this guy won the match. He's on record as winning. What's what's the positive benefits they're getting? And especially well, if it's a heel, it's like, well, we didn't want to see that guy winning because now he gets to face this guy and that dude i'm angry at the guy for interfering with the match because now this set up a chain of events it's to me this all still comes back to not enough long-term planning of and leaving a bread i think AEW does a little bit better job of leaving breadcrumbs so they could do some of that and wwe just doesn't even bother with it and just says like we're just pay-per-view cycle to pay-per-view cycling this stuff and you know the breadcrumb you thought you saw? That was just an accident. We didn't even realize it existed. <laughs> well, it's funny because I know you don't like to talk about booking per se on this show, but I feel like a lot of this conversation really does revolve around booking specifically. And how much merit does a stipulation carry? You just talked about a disqualification. It really doesn't carry a lot of gravity. It because doesn't. Because it doesn't really carry a lot of gravity at all because it is strictly just being used for the single side of that story. But there are, in a stipulation like the one I gave the example that I gave John Cena and R-Truth, a Miz interfering. Well, R-Truth should have something added to his value by picking up a win against John Cena. But because of how the writing has mediated how a disqualification is viewed by the audience, nobody thinks about, oh, well, what does that mean for our truth? They only think about what it means for John Cena. But how do you how do you fix that? You have to show that there is an emphasis on the why. Why does it matter? You have to, over time, demonstrate that, okay, this guy, sure, he didn't pin John Cena, but he did win by technicality. So now he's going to earn something out of that. And if there is something that is demonstrated that shows, okay, there's something that is an incentive for him to even win by DQ. He has received something for doing that. Especially if he's a heel, that's even a better way to get people more injected into that because they're going to be angry about it then you're going to be able to build more value for that stipulation. And that enhances your story time because then you can utilize that in the future and other circumstances. It also doesn't do it, it. It doesn't help people progress up the card either, because if you're from a booking standpoint, it's it, you're hindering the storytelling by the fact of every time you try to protect a upper card person from a, from losing to a lower card person, like, how does a lower card person ever move up when they'll never get a clean win? Like, to me, I think clean wins are too overvalued now because the audience un the audience understands the booking. Like, it's it's way it's it's very clear as day that when there's not a clean finish, it might as well have been a double count. Like, essentially, if you do not get a clean finish. In our minds, you could have just made it a double count out. Mm -hmm. And who cares? This guy pinned that guy. Oh, Dominic Mysterio beat Sami Zayn due to interference from the Judgment Day. Do I think anything less of Sami Zayn? No. Do I think anything more of Dominic Mysterio? No. And, Is he setting up anything? That, like, And that's like, exactly my point. I was just going to follow up. 
So how does that forward anything? How does that further anything? No, it just stalls it. I mean, it stalls to, it. Right. to them, it's a matter of how do we put something on TV to lead and, 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 and put five weeks of content mm -hmm. on so we don't have to make a choice until the pivotal moment instead of just thinking in terms of why and what do we what do we say all the time in the in uh in wrestling according to alba.com sometimes we get into a situation it's like well if you if you can't do this and you can't do that why book the match just don't do it right so why'd you book the match in the first place <laughs> i mean that's always been one of my biggest things just don't do it you never have to do something when you write it if you're a creative type if you are a writer you do not have to do something there's always another option and i always crack up because sean rossap is always really good at pointing that out on social media too where someone will be like well you had to do this in order to get to this he's like you didn't have to do that they, they have a team of 36 writers someone could have come up with another reason for why someone could do something different on their programming rather than do what you did like, right. You can't tell me that you had to have the Fiend and Seth Rollins have the finish of the match they had in the Hell in a Cell match. It did not have to be that way. You write the show. It's, you it's write the show. show. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Seth Rollins could have gone in there and beat the Fiend clean. The Fiend could have gone in there and beat Seth Rollins clean. And no one would have looked at either of those guys any differently. Well, it's very similar to what happened past WrestleMania with... Austin Theory and John Cena. Like, I believe that management, Triple H or Vince McMahon or whoever, the writers, who knows, that Austin Theory beats John Cena. Mm -hmm. No. It was a nut shot, distraction, cheap, nothing. You don't get that equity. Like, the no. audience did not get that equity. Well, and that was also a case of something that John Cena said, which I've been very adamant that I don't believe he should have said. Uh, and again, it was, this is similar to what we're talking about where you don't have to do things just for the sake of doing them where John Cena said, you could beat me at WrestleMania and no one's going to care about you. Well, if you just flatly put out there that there's not a why, why should people care? Oh, there isn't a reason people should care. Well, then why put him over in the first well, place? Why put him John over Cena, in the first place? just beat him. And John Cena should just beat him, and that'd be the end of it, right? right. <laughs> I and so it's often a case, Jordan, of just getting in your own way, because people have looked at wrestling over periods of time, and they said, "Oh, well, we did it this way in the past, so it has to be this way. You have to do it this way." And I just don't think in 2023 that that needs to be the case. Yeah, but I actually think it's being shifted more away from that. Like I take a I take a look at at no, AEW. Yes, and I'll let you finish your point. And and I I get what you're about to say. I don't mean to cut you off. But even with everything you're about to say, there is still the notion of well, we need to protect somebody. We need to do something to protect them. But we can't do this because if we do this, then they're going to look weak for a, a single episode of this program. And that is where the old school mentality still permeates the discussion. But I don't think the audience has that, though. No, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the audience has. The audience isn't writing the program. <laughs> right. But I, but I think that's the disconnect between the storyteller and the yeah. audience is that we you watch baseball. Baseball's 162 games. The Dodgers or whatever, the Braves, yeah, they're going to win 100 games. They're also going to lose 60 of them. I mean, yeah. like... I'm so glad you that. I was going to bring that analogy up earlier. I was going to say, you don't watch every Yankee game expecting them to win. Right. There's still going to be a playoff team. Maybe not this year, but there's still going to be a playoff team. And you expect them to contend for a World Series. You know they're a top player, but you also recognize that, hey, there's so many games out there. And in the context of pro wrestling, there's so many matches. Every now and then, they're going to lose. Right, and they're going to lose just because on that specific day the other they were bad, they, they were bad, or the other opponent was better. Yeah, on that specific day, and that's it. A playoff tail right in, ba in basketball, no one goes in going no. a one versus eight seed. It's going to be a sweep. Guess what? LeBron James has off games. <laughs> right. <laughs> it happens, but I think it's much. Uh, but to me, I think the storytelling is much more compelling when you 
accentuate that. And I believe the mm-hmm. beginning of AEW, they leaned more in that direction. They leaned like, they were a, a lot stuff. into it. Th- that dude, the first two years of AEW, it was very rare to find a non-clean finish. Like it would just, even if there was type some type of shenanigan. It still came across I mean, as like, no, this guy just look, beat the other guy even after that. Look no further than Private Party beating the Young Bucks. Right. And that meant, and because if you make it so that good teams could beat bad teams and good wrestlers could beat bad wrestlers and back and forth, that that win means a lot more. Even though there were no stakes in that match, it's like, oh, well, this, t- oh, no, it was. It was a t- part of the tournament for the tag tournament. It was. Mm-hmm. Right. But, like, Private Party got so much more equity out of that win because it was a clean win. Well, and then not because was... not, if, if, if the young boy, if, oh, shenanigans happened, do you, would we even be, would, would we even remember that match? No. And then there's also the flip side of it, Jordan, where if a good team or a good wrestler loses to a bad team or a bad wrestler, there's a story to tell there. Oh, come on, you're better than that. You shouldn't the Yankees shouldn't be dropping two of three to the athletics. Like they're better than that. How are they gonna bounce back from that? There's a story to tell there, too. But do you but do you think that the, the main reason why that doesn't happen more is because the 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 bookers go don't they don't look long term as far as <coughs> stories are concerned, and they're too they're too concerned with the now of mm-hmm. If we if he loses now, they they may fall off a cliff, right? They may go, oh, now we don't believe in them at all. But we see time and time again <coughs> that there are certain wrestlers that once they're over, doesn't matter how many times Darby Allen loses. Brian Danielson. Right, Brian Danielson, right? Dude, if he was in the title picture, no one would Brian Danielson has lost far more big matches than he's won big matches in AEW. So once once uh do you do you think that that the bookers on the booker end I know that we're talking a lot about booking this episode but that's what matches are like to mm-hmm. me when we say booking I consider booking to be the matches mm-hmm. right like creative is like everything around mm-hmm. the stories no, but booking like, is who wins and who loses who wins and who loses right that it really comes down to this may be weird to say. Do you think that it's an insecurity on the booker's perspective that when they feel secure in a wrestler's talent or a wrestler being over, that to them, they've reached a point where they could create more compelling stories because the wins and losses could serve much better purpose for other people? But when you bring in talent that you're like, well, they're over now, but maybe they won't be over two months from now that you're like, Oh, I can't, I can't have this person lose if I want to use them in any potential in the future. Cause I take a look at AEW with like, like a Keith Lee. Yeah. And it's like, like you're protecting him, but then not using him. And it's like, like, but then there's certain people where, well, obviously the lower carders you beat so often that, like, dude, to dig them out of a hole, it's like a lost cause. Like, how how do you avoid that situation? To me, I just view it as bookers are more are insecure, be, become more insecure with certain talent over others on what they perceive their long term future is, and then yeah. get stuck in that mindset of like, this is where you're slotted, and I. I can't move you from this slot because I'm too afraid of you slipping this way. And I mean, I think that that's ultimately also what pro wrestling is. Like you're, if you're a promoter, you are slotting talent in a position where you think they're going to make you money. That's ultimately what this is. Like wrestling at the end of the day is still about draw. Draw doesn't necessarily mean how many tickets you buy anymore and how many tickets you sell anymore like it used to be, but if a promoter doesn't view someone as a top draw, no matter what they prove in terms of their merit as a performer, that's not going to change, and they're going to get stuck in that 
same booking box that you're referring to. That's just how yeah, it's can, going. Can't the talent draw even in a loss? I think they can. I certainly believe they can. But I think you look no further than the John Cena example, where clearly Vince McMahon felt that that wasn't the case, that John Cena needed to be presented as Superman in order to be the top draw there. And if he wasn't presented as Superman, then kids would not view him as, as such. I think that's... So that's that's where the insecurity comes. That's exactly... That's kind of exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not right? refuting your point. I'm right. just we can't, This person can't beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania because then his aura goes away of being undefeated at WrestleMania. So I have to, But of course, the more... In, it, it's kind of a catch-22. Sometimes it's a, it's a benefit of... The more that you do that for a certain character, actually their losses matter more and they help other people more. Do you think that that the storytellers, the bookers in this example, are they are they really are they doing it to protect or do you do you believe that they are actually thinking in terms of we need to build up people almost as Superman because that's how we turn the mid carters into upper carters because then the loss from the big guy will and matter more. That, that is, it should be a successful way of elevating someone. That's that's what happens in real sports too, right? When you have the team that slays the dynasty, that's a big deal. And that team has an opportunity to become a premium player in the discourse of your league. That's massive. Professional golf. Right. Like that's that's a huge part of it. When someone beat Tiger, that was a big deal for that person. That would help elevate their stock significantly. So, yes, it should be utilized that way. But I feel like booking and and we're really getting a little off topic here, but I feel like a lot of times in booking. There's this comfort that comes with just certain people and you fall back into those tropes regardless of what you do, even if you give someone that big loss or you give someone that big win. There's a degree of comfort that always comes with someone. And I think ultimately you can then fall back into the tropes of we're losing the why to our matches and why we're having this in the first place. Cause we know it's just going to revert back to how it was prior. Right. So, so you actually think that's, that's a detriment to the, I think it can, absolutely, it can absolutely be a detriment. Cause then, Cause then it almost becomes an exhibition. It just becomes, it, it's a, it's happening for the sake of happening. Right. And and that perpetuates the notion of mm-hmm. there are plenty of people that have only started watching wrestling in the past 10 years mm-hmm. and they've only seen American wrestling and they go, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I the ring is there. So the bloodline could set up their their segment for cinema. And I don't know what <laughs> why even bother putting the I mean, sometimes yeah. I watch Smackdown and I go, why do they even bother setting up the ring? <laughs> right. And I'm not saying that their segments are no, bad. I, I know you're not. You're just saying that. It's like what, like, like yeah. the best when I, to me, may, I don't know if this is old school, new school or whatever. I view the matches as part of the story, an integral part of the story. So when you watch a two hour wrestling show and you go, what were the best segments on the show? And none of them involve a match. To me, that that just rings is then. Why, why is this pro wrestling? Why, yeah. we, why, why is this pro wrestling anymore? Like, just get rid of the matches altogether. Yep. But. Other times, if you do those segments very well, you then do lead to a great match that can help put a cap on your story or serve as a very important beat to your story, such as the Bloodline Civil War with Jey Uso pinning Roman Reigns, where that did serve as a massive, massive story beat in their story. So you had all these talking segments that fed you into this. So it can. Right, I, I also don't want to have it be the type of thing of, oh, this one time where this win really mattered makes up for like the nine hundred matches know, I know. feel like they don't look. Have. I have only one thing to say to you as we wrap up here, Jordan. Okay, ready? To your conundrum there. Don't tell me to let it play out. Let it play out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if you want to, if you want to let it play out and and watch those important matches and break down, yes, like we break down the match on wrestling according to Alba.com. We do. It's great. We have a good time, right? We're talking about the purpose of matches. 
Like every week we break down a match that mm-hmm. it's not just a promo in a ring. It's actually yes. the guys of the entire and match. And we try to get into the why of every single match in a vacuum. So I think that's very appealing with our tape studies. We do Ask Albas, and we have a lot of fun. It's a great community, and I'd love to see you guys join. So go to wrestling according to alba.com or patreon.com slash mm-hmm. wrestling according to alba. For the lowest tier, you could just be part of the Discord and 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 you get material with that too. Oh, you get material with that yeah. also, but you guys will get to also. you know hang out and yeah, it's fun. So it's a little community and, and check out Jordan's podcast too with his wife, the casual fan, which is a, a different viewpoint of pro wrestling for sure. Let, let me just tell you, she does. She actually, she's one of the people where, yeah, the matches aren't really the most important. I, I believe it. I believe it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Blender HD. You can follow John, John Alba on X, X. or whatever, whatever it's called these days. And, uh, and next, next time we're, we're going to talk about another purpose, very similar to the MacGuffin. Cause we mentioned a bunch of times, like the purpose of titles in mm-hmm. and of themselves. So not only matches, but titles uh, and uh, and talk more about pro wrestling through the lens of storytelling and narrative devices on the theory of pro wrestling.